Now, this is very important to understand. Some people think courage comes from being a righteous warrior for God. You look out at a situation and you go, that's wrong. And I'm going to do something about that. So then you pick up a banner and you go, and what happens is it's very difficult not to be a self-righteous warrior. Mm. And this is why everybody loves these social justice warriors because they're filled to the brim with self-righteousness. They don't know anything about life and they're going out there beating and banging a drum, which they don't even know anything about. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. Mm-hmm. We are here to encourage you, challenge you, um, give you prompts to think about, but ultimately it's a journey you have to do on your own. We you got to do the work yourself. We can't do the work for you. You have to do it. We're just here to encourage you along the way and to to just basically put things before you to go, well, do I believe that? Why do I believe that? Yes. And work the, your way through those. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host. And we cannot do the Salty Pastor podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. <laughs> Douglas Peak. Love the radio voice in the introduction. Always love it. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad I'm here with you today. This is a really great study we're going to do out of John 9 that just wraps up this whole thing about how you can know that your life matters, how you can have a conviction that no one can take away from you. And during the good times or even the really, really difficult times, you don't lose hope. You don't let despair take over and totally unwind you because you know outside of yourself that your life matters and that will never, ever change. So we're concluding our series, Your Life Matters, this mm-hmm. week. It's the final one. Our goal was to help you figure out the answer to the questions, does my life matter? And this is the question you must answer for yourself. We, we hope that we gave you the tools, the knowledge, the wisdom to answer this question for yourself. But Salty Pastor, how are we going to wrap <laughs> up this series? Well, we've been talking about uh, your origin story that you get to choose what to believe. And it's that choice of your origin story that makes all the difference in whether you can answer that question for the self, yourself. So you have to work through that. And I've been trying to get you to do that all on your own. And my end goal is that now after uh, this week's podcast and this week's message on Sunday, you'll be able to write your own origin story. So you'll take the origin story that God has for all human beings and then take the origin story of how you met God Mm -hmm. and how Jesus Christ has redeemed you. And that in and of itself is the most significant step that you can take for your own faith to answer the question for yourself, my life matters no matter what. So once you, uh, figure that out, write it out, then your life from that moment forward, I believe is never going to be the same. Mm. And so we're going to dig into John chapter nine, and we're going to uh, look at a story where Jesus heals a blind man. And you see in the actual story, you see that he lives in a culture of fear. But then because of what Jesus did, he right on the spot flips a switch and then suddenly becomes very courageous. And that is what happens to us when we understand our own origin story and how it is woven in to what God's origin story for all humanity is when we meet Jesus Christ. So I think you got to read it, then I'll commentate it. And we're going to just blast through this thing and learn a lot of great stuff. I love it. So we're going to start John chapter 9, verse 1, and it says, 
As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Yeah, this is a great place to stop because notice what he's saying is the whole question begins with origin, the origin story. Is he blind because he's paying for his parents' sin? Mm. So you see, they had an origin story about how sin works, right? And Jesus says, well, that's not it. And they're asking the question, why is there evil in the world? Now, if you want to know that your life matters, you have to answer this question for yourself. You have to say, this is why evil exists. And this is why it touches my life. This is how it impacts me. It touches the lives of the people around me and how it impacts them. And then how does it impact my community, my state, my country, and the whole world? And so it's very important to understand where does evil come from and how does it impact me? Because if you can't answer that question, then you'll never have clarity on whether your life matters or not because you'll, you'll feel like a ping pong ball or a, a little, uh, what is the old game, the pinball that bounced all over the place. You'll just feel like that's what's happening. You're a, you're a kernel of corn in one of those hot poppers just getting blasted all over the place by the world. So uh, he says, look, You have to answer that question. And then he says, this opportunity, Jesus says, exists so that I can show you how God works. So the origin story that you believe is critical because that's the only way you can understand how God actually works. And so that's really important as we move forward. So let me continue on and look at verses six on. So we say, after that, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. He said, go and wash in the pool of Siloma. (laughs) Siloam. Siloam. (laughs) This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. That's funny, yeah, when you have to start pronouncing all of these (laughs) words. They don't add any really nice pronunciation guides for these words in the Bible unless you get the, what is it? You got to get the big, thick Bibles, right, that have all of the specialty pronunciation well, so fun- guides. Yeah, and it is kind of funny, you know. You you say Salome, I say Siloam. Siloam. It's <laughs> just kind of funny that way. But look, here's what's really interesting is he says, go and wash in the, the pool of Siloam because it means scent. You know, the, mm. the pool means scent. And one of the things about the pool of Siloam is that there was this belief about the, it had healing powers, you know, if you followed a certain process. And what we see is that Jesus heals the man's sight. Okay. Now what's fascinating is he does something. He spits on the ground and he makes mud out of it. And then he puts it on the man's eyes. So the man is there, right? And what does he have to do in the pool? He has to take the water and then he has to wash it out of his eyes. So what, what I think is happening is at the end of this chapter, we see that the physical act of healing is actually pointing to the most important healing of all. And that is the spiritual healing of your heart where, you know, the apostle Paul wrote that you have to let the eyes of your heart be opened. So it's a fascinating phraseology that they use to describe 
this because Christianity at its core is not a religion with ceremonies and feast days and dietary habits and dress codes and things that you have to do. Mm. What it is, is it's a truth proposition that you believe or not. And that's why I always say what you believe is one of the most important things about you. So your origin story is what you choose to believe. And it's one of the most important things about you. And until you believe God's origin story, then you can't understand or believe your origin story when you have an encounter with the living God, which is called salvation in the Bible, where you are encountering Jesus Christ, the living God for the redemption of your soul. So, I mean, this is really an origin story that we have to go all in on. If all this in. is if this is going to make a significant impact on how we're living our life and what Absolutely. we believe about ourselves, right? Yeah, and whether you think your life matters. Do you want to move on to the next Yeah, let's go verses? to verse 8 and okay. keep going. So verse 8 says, His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. <laughs> but he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to, what was it? Siloam. Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I do not know. He said, <laughs> "Is that interesting?" Well, this I mean, he was me. blind when he left to go wash, and Jesus just like it's like this exactly. is this is the Batman thing where yeah. where he disappears when you're looking away. Jesus just pulled the Batman gimmick yeah. from all the movies on <laughs> or, this guy, or Batman pulled the Jesus. Batman gimmick. pulled the Jesus there gimmick. Go, That's man. what it was. <laughs> well, he got the idea from somewhere, and I'm big on derivation. This um, is true. Well, I think what's really fascinating here is it's the testimony of what was done that starts to get out. And what's interesting is, you know, in the situation when when you're sharing your story about what Jesus has done, people ask really stupid questions. <laughs> I mean, just that you need to expect that. You know, it's like, so uh, how were your eyes open? Well, this guy put mud. He told me to go, and then I could see after I washed my eyes. Oh, well, where is he? I don't, don't know. know. I can't see. <laughs> Let's keep going. Verse 13. Okay. So verse 13, the, uh, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. Okay, what's really fascinating here is there's a man who was blind and now he sees. That's a pretty big phenomena in that time, right. right? I mean, even today to have someone that spent their whole life begging and they're blind and, and, uh, suddenly it's like, well, I can see now. And you're like, wow, you got an eye transplant at work. That's a modern day yeah, miracle. We still use the phrase modern day miracle, <laughs> yeah. even if it's related to something science or medically. Exactly. Think 2000 years ago where that was just shock. And what are the Pharisees most concerned about? He made mud on a Sabbath. Right. They're very, they're very tied up in that legalistic approach. That exactly. They had. They're so legalistic about it. And so what happens is 
later on in the next chunk of verses, we find out that everyone is afraid of saying that Jesus is the Messiah. So the blind man who can now see says, well, he's a prophet. And I think what's interesting about here is that the people investigating, the people who are pulling him out and calling him out, can't see the miracle of what has happened. And yet they are focusing on that legalistic violation. And I think what's happening is that, that you're, when you write your own origin story, when you believe the truth proposition of Christianity, and then you see your own life and you write your own origin story, which you have to realize there is a spirit of fear against what God is going to do in your life. And it's today it's being propagated in America. I think one of the most interesting things about Christianity is it's the only minority that sometimes thinks it's a majority. And that is what people don't realize is that Christians, particularly devoted Christians are about one out of four in the entire nation of America. Now that doesn't mean they can't have a lot of influence, but I just think it's so fascinating because the media and all these other people are like, well, we're a Christian nation and we believe in this and that. Well, that's not true. You know, we're a secularized nation, even though our founding documents were founded and derived from Christianity, what has happened today, particularly since the forties has been a massive move away from the original documents and what America was founded Mm. on. And there's a spirit of fear and control that's trying to stop any sense or influence of Christianity today. Uh, for instance, like it, it just happens. We'll talk a lot about this on Thursday, but Marshall Polston, he's a 20 year old, 21 year old sophomore, uh, in Florida at Rollins college, um, in winter park, Florida. In late March, he was suspended from university under the threat of disruption. And the reason why is because in one of his classes, his Muslim professor said that the crucifixion of Jesus was a hoax. And he said, no, there's evidence that shows. And so she threw him out of class because he challenged her on that. And then they suspended him from school. Mm. And there's a spirit of fear that's trying to be propagated against anybody sharing their origin story with Jesus. And the, the spirit in America today is to try to get every single person who's been touched by the love of Christ, whose life's been transformed, who has become a, a, an incredibly good person, or I mean, maybe not a great person, but they're growing in, in doing better than they did before. And to me, that's what I consider their defined as a good person Mm. is you're getting better. You're growing that you don't compare yourself to anybody else. You compare yourself to who you were yesterday right? and you're growing. And so we've got a Jesus Christ comes in, touches lives and wherever he touches lives, there's not a place where you see authentic conversion experiences in their relationship with Jesus, where those individuals and all of the people around them, whether it's their family or community were positively influenced by that. Mm. And so, but in our society, we're trying to get people to, uh, create such fear in Christians that they are fearful of speaking out, even sharing the, the most, the most uh, censored people today in America and in business. And I will prove all this with facts on Thursday are Christians, authentic Christians today. So there's a lot of people out there who are doing something. And that is, is that they're saying, 
well, there is no Christian persecution in America. There is no suppression of this. There is no that. Da, 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 da. You're just making that up. You're just thinking that, blah, blah, blah. They use a term uh, in that's real popular, t- popular today called gaslighting. Mm-hmm. And this, this is a frame to, a word to, dis, uh, to define a frame of reference. And it comes from a movie, right, where a man didn't want to be married anymore. So what he did is he did things to drive her insane. And one of the things is, is it was, it was a very old movie. And so they had gas lights, right? And so what he would do is he would turn down the lights and she would come in and say, is it darker in here? And he goes, no, it's not darker in here at all. It's as bright as it always has been. And so he was slowly changing stuff and then telling her it was normal. So she doubted her own sanity. So that's what this notion of gaslighting is coming from. And so that's what's happening today with Christians. And that is, is that people are telling you you're not persecuted. Now that doesn't mean that you still have more freedom than any other country or nation out there. Well, that's true too. That is a true statement. I said, but where is the direction going and what is the spirit of what's happening today? I can tell you this. Uh, I have a good friend. He was head of the entire hire D a big, a big group of DEA people in Utah. And he was sharing with me that as he led this entire department, he had to accommodate every Hindu. He had to accommodate every Muslim. He had to accommodate every religion, every secular thing out there for everything, except for Christians. Christians had no protections. They never got any accommodations at all. And he said, that's just, that's not equality. That's not fair. And that's one of the things that he was really disgusted over about our federal government. These are just examples of how it is true that America in America, Christians have more freedom than any other country. That is true. But that also, you you know, can believe another truth at the same time. And you know what that truth is, is that our nation right now is trying to take away your religious liberty and your freedoms. And they're gaslighting you when they say they're not. Well, we have a few more verses you had said you wanted to get through. So yes, I'm sorry. Me, get me going. Let me. I know that's what we. That's what our viewers tune in for is for you to get a little salty. But okay. I know 18. you. I knew you had a plan. So verse eighteen. Uh, verse eighteen. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one who you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? They said, "We know he is our son." The parents answered. And we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of, a, of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said he is of age. Ask him. Now, this is cancel culture at its finest right here. This, this is, is this where is it came from. Time <laughs> crime time cancel culture. And this is what is really important to understand is that the synagogue is not the church like today. Okay. The synagogue was a center of all community life in, in Israel and in this Jewish place in, in all Judaism. So what, what was happening is you would go to the synagogue and that's where your kids would get educated. You go to the synagogue and that's where you would make business deals. Right. And people would say, okay, you guys actually have a contractual business deal. You know, they didn't have paper with lawyers like you'd sign. It was different. You know, you had to have witnesses, you'd hear it, you'd shake on it. You would go through a process and you had a binding contract. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you would do that at the synagogue. So it was a place of legal 
um, business. It was a place of educational business. It was a place of social business where parties and receptions and weddings and funerals and all that took place. And what they're basically saying is that we're going to excommunicate you from all community interaction by saying you can't come to the synagogue. I mean, it was a heavy handed thing. Mm. It was basically going to social prison. You know, you're going to be quarantined from everybody and you're not going to have any act. You can't do business. You can't get your kids educated. You can't go to school. You can't do any of these things. And they had already predetermined that's what's going to happen. And I believe that that's the end goal of what's happening all across the world, let alone in America with the uh, movements of these uh, postmodern Marxists that are trying to have greater influence and what cancel culture is all about. Cancel culture is trying to get uh, any ideas that you might have that they disagree with completely eradicated so that nobody hears them. And even in humorous or parody form, just uh, this week, the Babylon Bee, which is a parody site. I mean, they just pump out stuff that makes jokes about everything. They skewer pastors. They skewer religious leaders, worship leaders. They skewer Christians. They skewer the government. They skewer, you name it. They poke fun at you in every way, shape. Nobody, nobody is safe safe from the bee. From the bee. And that's one of the things that's so awesome and funny about them. And some of the stuff they come up with is just hilarious. And something that just happened just recently is that uh, there was a magazine and organization that took a man. He's been a man his entire life until he was about 50 years old. And then he said, I'm a woman. And he was the assistant health department leader in Pennsylvania. And then when Biden got elected, he appointed him as an assistant. So he had to go through a confirmation process uh, in the health department. And so uh, what happened is there was an organization that labeled him woman of the year called him the woman of the year. And so the Babylon B just said, you know, the man of the year award goes to this guy. And so they were banned for that mm. as hateful speech. And so I think this is really important to understand how cancel culture works. And that is it's been around for a very, very long time. And it's designed to get you fearful of ever sharing your origin story about what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Mm. Well, let's read on uh, through our verses. We are on verse 24. It says, A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. You can't argue with a testimony that says, I was blind and now I see. Right? Yeah. And he's just simply saying, look, he goes, I don't know. Uh, you're accusing me now. Now, here's where I think it's really important to see. What, what they're doing is they're saying, Jesus doesn't uh, honor the Sabbath, okay? So that was given to us by Moses in the Ten Commandments. It's the bedrock of all Judaism. They say he's a sinner because he's done this, and he can't do So they're, they're attacking Jesus, and what he says is that, look, I don't know. I was blind, and now I see, in a physical sense. Right. But something happens to this guy spiritually. Read the next verses. So he says, then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Oh, 
And then he really slams him. He goes, oh, you want to be their disciples too? This is called sarcasm yes, at its finest. He's getting a little sassy with them yeah. at this point. So the formerly blind man has had enough, and he gets sarcastic and facetious with them. And that is when you focus on what Jesus has done in your life, guess what happens? You get more courageous, not less. You get more bold, not less. You get more confident, not less. Confidence doesn't come by believing falsehoods. Confidence comes when you believe a truth that is unchangeable conviction in your own life. And what's that? I was blind. Now I see. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but I was blind. Now I see. And that's where this incredible courage comes from. Because what, what did they just say in the verses prior to that? You know, up there, it says, um, Verse 22, the Pharisees had decided we're going to put anybody out of the synagogue. We're going to excommunicate you from all life and treat you as a pariah in our society and our culture if you say that Jesus is the Messiah. And here this guy, even knowing everything that's on the line, what does he do? He suddenly switches from, right, fear into full-blown courage. And that's what happens to you in your life when you focus on what Jesus has done in your life. Now, this is very important to understand. Some people think courage comes from being a righteous warrior for God. You look out at a situation and you go, that's wrong. And I'm going to do something about that. So then you pick up a banner and you go, and what happens is it's very difficult not to be a self-righteous warrior. And this is why everybody loves these social justice warriors because they are filled to the brim with self-righteousness. They don't know anything about life and they're going out there beating and banging a drum, which they don't even know anything about. And that's right. a problem with self-righteousness. It doesn't win anybody over. But when you boldly go out and courage and say, this is what Jesus has done in my life, no one can argue with that. It mm. comes a powerful testimony. So let's uh, see how the uh, Pharisees yeah, react. Verse 28. And they said, or it says, then they hurled insults at him and said. <laughs> right there. Isn't that funny? They, so they, they don't come back and say, oh, that's interesting. They start hurling they're, insults they're at him. They're not thrilled with that idea. Uh, then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to godly persons who, who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. See how important it, this is to note, and that is the discourse is not attempting to lay out a doctrine of healing from God, that God heals you know, good people or not good people. And so he's not trying to do that. What this discourse is showing is that this formerly blind man becomes so courageous that he uses their own logic against them. Hmm. You see that what they're doing is so irrational. He uses their logic against them. Now in this situation, when you know your own origin story and you become courageous and you say, this is what Jesus done, you can use people's logic against them because they're going to say really dumb things. They're going to say irrational things. And you just need to expect that. You need to expect that that's happened because their outrage is designed for one reason and one reason only. And that is to control you and to get you to be so afraid you won't speak up. And that's the reaction of everyone who rejects the truth of Jesus and what he has done in your life. And you just have to be ready for that. Is that is 
you, when Jesus does something dramatic in your life, there's going to be people who are going to try to discredit it, hurl insults at you over it, no matter what. But if you want your life to matter, you got to be braced for it and ready for it. So let's continue on. The The Pharisees uh, are not thrilled at this answer either. Yeah. And so they s- reply, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. <laughs> so they're done listening at this he point. He got canceled right yep. there, you know. But really that what's so interesting is the way you know how to stop cancel culture is you get courageous, you stand up for the truth. And once everybody's canceled, guess what? there is no cancel culture because there's nobody in it. Right. You know, what happens is you create a brand new community and this is where you see now John's gospel was written much later. And what happens is Christianity originally was moving and growing within the synagogues throughout the Roman empire. But what happened is after the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD, the Roman empire basically took a really dim view of Judaism and ejected a lot of them from the empire, mm. banished a lot of them. So these synagogues dried up and guess this was the, we see now the moving of the church out of the synagogue and the church has never been a building, but the church moved out of the synagogue and it moved into homes and it moved into predominantly these other communal places of worship, which were mostly homes because it was illegal to be a Christian and you couldn't build a church building. So there weren't any church buildings. There were just churches meeting in this community. And that was the fastest period of time of growth percentage wise in the life of the church over the last 2000 years. Well, we have a few more verses um, that I'd like to talk about. So starting at 35, Jesus had heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found them, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who will who see will become blind. Yeah, so here's what's really neat is what happens when you're courageous? What happens when you stand up? for what Jesus has done in your life, you know, and what happens when you're canceled or you're taken out, guess who shows up? Jesus. Jesus. Every single time Jesus comes to him after the event and he comforts him and he lifts him up and he says, look, you know, when you act courageously, your faith is always rewarded. And I really love this phraseology that uh, the apostle John uses. And he says, do you believe You know, and that's what happens is when we get something bad happens to us, we feel Mm. like we get canceled. Jesus shows up and says, do you believe in the son of man? Do you believe in me? And when you say yes, and he says, well, you've seen me. In fact, I'm now speaking to you. I'm comforting you. So when you act courageously, Jesus always rewards your faith. So the last two verses we wanted to look at today were uh, starting at verse 40. It says, Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Now this is a really very important verse for a lot of reasons. Okay, First of all, it shows us that uh, the truth of what just happened was spiritual blindness is a choice. Mm. And it's all about the spiritual 
uh, blindness being removed and you, you know, your spiritual eyes of your heart are brought from death to life. And that's his own point. It also answers the question that people often ask. And that is, well, what about people who've never heard of Jesus? And he says, look, if you're blind, you are not guilty of sin. Mm. So if you never heard, you're not guilty in that regard. He goes, but you don't have that option. You claim you can see but your guilt remains. And so he's saying you, you are under guilt and judgment because you're not willing to accept the origin story of God. And you're not willing to have your own death to life origin story. You're not willing to be reborn into newness. And so your guilt stays on you. It's not removed. And until it is removed, which you can't remove it yourself, only the blood of Christ can do that then you're going to be perpetually blind and guilty on top of that. So I think this whole uh, passage of scripture just reveals what happens when you grab onto your own origin story and what Christ does in you and how that actually brings you to a point in your life where you say, aha, now I know why my life matters. And this is something that no one can ever take away from me. Well, thank you so much for walking us through these verses, Pastor. I'm excited to hear more about what you're going to say on Thursday on how the practicality of these verses apply to our lives and what Jesus is talking about applies to us now. And uh, I hope you guys just tune in on Thursday to join us for that. Make sure you leave a comment. And if you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a comment. We love to see those. We love to see what you guys are getting out of these and how they're affecting you. Um, I get a lot of people coming up to me at Foothills telling me, oh, hey, I listened to this episode. I really liked it. Or, hey, what are you guys going to talk about blank again? Things like that. <laughs> and so um, for those of you who don't run into us on a weekly basis, we'd love to hear what you're seeing and what you're hearing. Love to these. hear from you. Yes. So please leave those and we'll see you on Thursday on the next episode Blessings of the Salty Pastor Podcast. Blessings you.